This team has everything. It's got size. It's got guard play. It's got youth. It's got experience. It has athleticism. I'm excited, as, as you guys can tell, and I probably should. I need to hit a sports book somewhere because uh, I'm, uh, I think this yeah, team I'll, can go I'll all the way. I'll feed you some odds on some of those calls. Um, <clears throat> also, that entire – everything you just said should have been read by Bill Walton. That was all just ridiculous, <laughs> super pro Oregon. You've got Eugene from Eugene. You've got LJ Figueroa for UCLA. Three big shooters, Jaime Hawkins, Johnny Juzang, and also... That's that one-legged. What kind of shot is that? Have you ever shot that shot? You'll think of it. That was a three-minute a three-minute monologue, and we're underway from Eugene. The Bruins. What did we miss? What did we miss, please? We missed seven times. Oh, smashes it as he's getting fouled by Jones. I went there, but that was just on my own. I just hitchhiked up there. And, you know, somehow I got there. I can't remember. Shocker. Here's me. It's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you. Without a strong rhyme to step to. Think of how many weeks shows you slept through. Time's up. I'm sorry I kept you. Thinking of this, you keep repeating your mess. The rhyme from the microphone solo with. So you sit by the radio and on the dial soon as you hear it. Pump up the vibe. Hello and welcome to the Flock Pod. We are at hashtag 091. We're inching ever so closer to that magical 100th episode. We are here in the beautiful condo. Avataria producers are once again tired out. Been doing a better job of getting them nice and sleepy before the podcast gets started. So we don't have any dog fighting going on behind us. You can find us at The Flock Pod on all of your major podcast streaming platforms. If you'd be so kind to go give us the five-star ratings and even give us a share, help us out in that algorithm ever so much. You can also find us on all your major social media platforms at The Flock Pod. You can find me at Coach Justin D on those same platforms. Shay, tell them where you are. You can find me at Bartender Shane 6 on the Twitter because I'm a bartender and at Walk of Flock of Shane 6. <laughs> On the Instagram because we're flockers. Waka flocka, baby. Not many waka flocka jokes lately. I have backed <laughs> we, off on the waka flocka jokes. May, we may have put those a little too hard too early. <laughs> we may have. We may have. We are also once again joined today by managing editor of USA Today's Duckswire, Zach Neal. You can find him at Zachary C. Neal on the Twitterverse and find his writings because his fingers work. He actually writes articles and stuff like that at duckswire.usatoday.com for all the latest Ducks coverage. Zach, how you doing today, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, excited to talk some basketball for once. It's going to be fun. It's hoop season, baby. Winter is coming, and the hoop season has arrived. Um, I'm actually going to the game tonight. Uh, Zach, I know you'll be there uh, covering things. Uh, Shane, you're going to be watching from the old couch this evening? Yeah, I'll watch on TV. Uh, you, Justin sent me an invite to go with him, and I was like, I looked up, it was like 8 p.m. tip-off. <laughs> old man status. And I'm the old man of the pod, too, yeah. and I'm the old man. So do you, do you ever fall asleep when you're at the games, or is that just an at-home thing? Oh, no. No, it's just an at-home thing. Dude, just, it's the comfy setup. The, the TVs are lovely. The couch is super comfortable. The dogs start climbing all over me, and it's just... 
you know, I get cozy and I pass out. So it might have something to do with the edibles too, but you know, let's not talk about that. Let's jump into our women's preview here, get that started. So what we're going to do today is just uh, each one of us has kind of selected a returning basketball player, a transfer, and a freshman that we would like to highlight and focus on. We're going to see if we've got a little bit of crossover. Uh, if we have too much crossover, we might throw another player or two in there just to make sure that we get complete coverage. And then I've actually gone through, I don't think I told you guys this, I've predicted like their kind of run through the season, like record, uh, what they're going to do in the tourney, seed, and all that kind of stuff, just because I did that for football. So I think it'll be fun just to kind of have that as a record. If you guys want to throw that in there also, if not, I'll be the one that goes on wax and put my butt out there on the line for the podcast. I can appreciate doing that. So First and foremost, this team, obviously coached by Kelly Graves, uh, just signed another great recruiting class here coming in. Uh, we're not going to get too deep into the recruiting stuff because we want to focus on the season here at hand, but just kind of general feelings, general thoughts going into the season here. Uh, let's start, start with Shane, but let's just just kind of general thoughts going in before we really focus in on the players. So yeah, general thoughts on this team as we come into this season and the limited amount of time we've been able to see him play this year. Uh, this team has a lot of size and a lot of versatility is the thing that kind of jumps off the page to me. This is one of the bigger Oregon teams that we've seen ever uh, with, you know, the tallest player in program history on this team, so on and so forth. And then, you know, uh, I think the big story about this team is there's a lot of players who are on the cusp of absolute you know, stardom. You know, between Sedona Prince, Niaris Obli, uh, Maddie Shear, and Sidney Parrish, there's, there's a lot to gain. There's a lot of potential on this team. So we'll see. You know, who takes the biggest steps here? Absolutely. No, I completely agree. And it's amazing that Zach and I's face both lit up because leaving Tahina Pow Pow off that list feels <laughs> rightful. But it's also there's so many players that that could have breakouts. Exactly. So I, I understand how that could be a hindsight, 100%. Tahina Pow Pow, I feel like, is already <laughs> there. Uh, where, like, I mean, Sedona Prince, you could kind of make that same argument, but I really want to see her turn into a more consistent, dominant scorer. She's got to she, work on her balance. Yeah, I hear you. She's had these stretches where it looks she's an automatic bucket, and then she kind of disappears for a while. And Tina Pow Pow, I'm not really worried about. I mean, her and Will Richardson are kind of, like, hard to discuss almost at this point in their career just because they're so, That's like, valid. coach-friendly. Mm-hmm. That's super valid. Well, one thing I am a little worried about with Tahina Pow Pow and a couple of these guards for the women's basketball program is just the injury stuff. So, Zach, do you want to give us kind of a, just an update on where we stand from an injury perspective and then your general thoughts as we kind of look forward to this season? So, injury-wise, on uh, night one, uh, Nayar Savali went down with what looked like a knee injury early in the second half. And if you know anything about her, you know she's had a couple of ACL surgeries before, so that's always, I mean, it was it was crazy how silent Matthew Knight Arena got once they realized she was on the ground and kind of holding her knee. So uh, we talked to Coach Graves afterwards. He didn't have a, an exact prognosis, but said, you know what, it, it, it looks a little bit better than we thought. We think she's going to be okay. So um, also Tahina's out. Uh, they said that she, they hope she's back before their battle for Atlantis, um, which is coming up here soon. And then India Rogers also hurt her hand, so she's going to be out for a little bit. But um, like Shane was saying, they, this team, like as injuries, they suck. You don't want to see them, but they're so talented that like they're they're going to be okay. I think that we've we've seen the Ducks have such good recruiting classes recently that it's finally starting to pay off. Where you see this talent on the roster, and they're they're just so good on the floor, and they play really well together. And defensively is what surprised me the most. I mean, we saw in one of their exhibitions before the season, and in the the game the other night on Tuesday that they've got like 
high double-digit steals every time, and they're just so aggressive on defense. And that, of course, as anyone watched basketball knows, that leads straight to offense and transition buckets. So uh, they play hard. It's just a it's a classic Kelly Graves team. Uh, I mean, I they're so talented, and I just I, they're a lot of fun to watch. I agree. I think this is going to be the team that brings back a lot of those fans that we kind of lost with the COVID season and things of that nature. Um, I went to the the game the other day against Westmont. That was a really fun environment just to be back in Matthew Knight. I think the first time I've been back there is in two years or something like that. So that was super fun. Shout out to Shane for those tickets. Appreciate you, co-host, friend, sir. So yeah, let's let's jump right into it. Um, and we kind of hit on mine here first and foremost. You know, you already know who I'm going to talk about as a returner. I have no problem talking about Tahina Pow Pow, number 12 in the scorebook, number one in my heart. And I need a number 12 jersey. I need a Tahina Pow Pow jersey. I've tweeted at the Ducks, the basketball team at the Ducks store so many times now. Need to make that happen. But Tahina Pow Pow, five foot nine sophomore guard, a defensive maestro um, who's really shooting the ball like she did in high school. Um, if she shoots the ball close to what she did last year at that 39, 40% clip, but then gets those attempts higher you know, gets into that like hundred range of attempts. I think that's where her real breakout will come. And then just making sure that she's staying with that assist to turnover ratio also, keeping things nice and clean. So really looking forward to Tahina Pow Pow and this truly being a season where she breaks out to like first team, first team Pac-12, first team Pac-12 all conference. You know what I mean? I think that's her kind of her her ceiling for this season. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think, <clears throat> you know, being first team, all NCAA is probably in the next couple years, but I think I think that's like a, a very reasonable expectation for the, for this year, especially like this. This is a, a very new team, and then with Tina Pow Pow and India Rogers being out for extended period of times in the start of the year, it wasn't was Pow Pow out the start of last year, or am I remembering that wrong? She had a foot injury where she missed a little oh, bit of time. Oh, it was the end. It was towards the end of the year. At yeah, the end of the yeah. season. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. so, I mean, with, with having a lot of newcomers and then having your, you know, quote unquote floor generals out there missing a little bit of time, I think it is going to take this this team a little bit more time to gel completely. But like Zach said earlier, I mean, defensively, this team, I mean, that was my takeaway from watching that exhibition game. There was just so many pieces to put into that press. There's so much length and they can just fly around those passing lanes so that full court press this year is going to be something to watch well and they're running it with almost a more intent to steal you know dana runs that press with more of an intent to just kind of slow the offense down it looks like graves and that coaching staff have a different intention behind it did either one of you have tahina as your returner to focus on zach well, you did, so, so you got on tahina. I, I figured you would bring her up so i actually didn't i didn't have her as my returner because i knew we'd talk about her i mean come on but i just have to say you guys covered the the basketball side of her so well i don't have much to add there but just from watching her and kind of seeing her in person she seems like the absolute best teammate that you could ever ask for her vibes are just incredible like she she's Mm -hmm. she kind of seems like a kid sister that like you you don't have no problem bringing along with your friends like she's always smiling always laughing and always having a ton of fun so um i just i think that she's probably gonna end up being one of our favorite ducks of all time because she just seems like such a, a fun person and she's a really good player all vibes team, all vibes team. All right, so let's get to uh, Shane. Why don't you hit us with your returner next? And of course, we're already long winded, but we should probably try to hurry it up because we do have. A uh, I have somebody today, who is Shane, not who all for smiles, who doesn't seem like she's all great vibes to be around. But that's exactly why I like her, Miss Kylie Watson. Uh, she looks like she says the word bitch a lot, and uh, she plays like it. 
And uh, last year, we didn't really get to see a ton from her. But every time she came in, she brought the attitude on the rebounds, on the defensive side. When she gets the ball, she leads with those bows. I like everything about it. I think that she's going to be an integral part off the bench this season. And potentially, if Niara Sobley out of the lineup, might might see some starting minutes. We'll kind of see how they uh, rotate that around. But, yeah, that's somebody I, I like to really bring the intensity and just really bring, like, a physical backbone, especially when a lot of the, the girls on this team seem like they are a little bit uh, nicer, you know what I mean? A little bit. I don't. I don't want to use the word soft, but like uh, friendly. Sure. Yeah. 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 Friendly. Just very friendly. Yeah. Very friendly team. You know. And I, I hear you, Kylie. You know, at six she, foot four, she, the sophomore coming in, she does. She she's not afraid to go in there and throw her butt and her elbows around. You know what I mean? It looks like her and Sabali practice really hard against each other, and she's learned a lot of those tricks from her. She uh, she plays like she's from New Jersey. <laughs> yes, yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that. All right, Zach, who do you have as your returner to focus on this year? Talked about her a little bit earlier, but Maddie Shear. I think her her Ooh, importance nice. is going to be even bigger as long as Tahina and India are out. Uh, we don't know how long it'll be, but man, she she stepped up in such a big way in that first game. She had I think fourteen points, five assists, and she just looked like a perfect floor general out there, a perfect point guard that you want. And, that's Tahina's role when she's in, but as long as Maddie's out, as long as Maddie's in there while Tahina's out, she, I mean, I don't have any worries about the offense going forward without Tahina because Maddie came in last year as a five-star recruit, and we didn't really get to see like how how good she was because there's so many other pieces. But uh, one game in, we saw that she can absolutely be the point guard for this team if they need her to be. Well, and there's no drop off on the defensive side of the ball either with her. Definitely I mean, not. she is incredible. She is a dog on defense for sure. And of course, have to mention she's a part of the University of Oregon power couple with Micah Pittman. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So she's the University of Oregon royalty. So what do you got on uh, Ms. Maddie Sure there, Shane? Uh, yeah, everything you guys said is perfect. The only the only real like step back I think from having her in the lineup outside of Tina Pow Pow is just uh, a little bit slower on the dribble. Uh, I mean, Tina Pow Pow's guys quick you know, getting the ball around the floor as can be. And I mean, <clears throat> when you add a little bit more size, you know, you're getting all the advantages from that way, but then also a little bit, usually lacking a little bit of the ball handling. But I'll, I mean, that's not even something I'm remotely worried about. Yep. I hear you. All right. So for my transfer, I have uh, Ms. Rogers coming in from USC. And uh, the reason why I have this one is because this was probably our first ever and maybe our only ever like breaking news. Like we had the scoop on Ms. Rogers coming to the University of Oregon before a lot of major news outlets. Zero. Of course, we didn't get any credit for it because that's the way it is. You know what I mean? But we had we had the inside scoop due to some birdies that I have here in the local basketball community. But that was really cool just to know that she was coming here. And again, perfect fit in the backcourt with the rest of these girls. Um, Really loves to play on the defensive side of the ball. Reminds me a lot of another USC transfer, um, Ms. Minion Moore. Um, her ability to get to the rim and really finish in a creative way. Needs to work on her three-point shooting a little bit this year, but I think because her quality of looks will go up with this team, I think her percentage will go up from uh, 32% last year as a Trojan. I think that'll go up to maybe 36, 37, maybe even get closer to the 40% range as some of these other duck guards have been able to do within this uh, Kelly Graves system. Yeah, and I think those shooting numbers might be a little bit hinged on the fact that she's a volume shooter. Uh, she is not afraid to put them up in the limited amount that I've gotten to watch her play. It looks like she, you know, she decides that she's putting that ball up before it even gets there. So, I mean, I, with a player like that, who I look at as kind of like a true scorer, I don't really worry about their three-point shooting percentage as much because you know that like when it comes down to it, at the end of games, they're going to be fearless, and that's really what this team needs. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I was. I mean, India. She was actually my pick for this too. She's. I mean, we've got good transfers on this team, but she's got the ability to be one of the best players for sure. And watching that first exhibition game with her next to Tahina in that backcourt, it's like, oh my <laughs> gosh! Like this could be one of the best backcourts in the nation for sure. And like you said, she needs to up her her three point percentage and kind of maybe get a little bit more efficient offense. But she's she's gonna shoot it if she's open, and a lot of the time it's gonna go in. So I have I have no worries about her and. Uh, we'll see when she gets back from injury. I know that she was in a cast the other night uh, on her hands, so uh, I'm not really sure her timetable, but I think she'll definitely be back at some point this season and, and healthy going into March. So Be able to contribute at that point, absolutely. All right, so this Zach had Ms. Rogers also. Uh, Shane, who do you have as your transfer to look for to focus uh, on? I had India Rogers, but mostly just because of player pronunciation. So I'll go with uh, Miss P- Pinto uh, as my Ms. transfer. Pinto, yes. Uh, may- maybe Zach can help me out with the first name. Uh, I can't. Sure. No? Okay, cool. <laughs> she, I would say Chayana. Chayana. Um, I think it's Shania. Shania? Fuck, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, a player that brings, like, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of length, a lot of versatility, yes. especially on that press. And then she is she's tall and slender but also attacks the the boards pretty ferociously so i mean that that's going to be kind of that role this team is going to need to really rebound really well play defense well and shoot the ball well to really hang their hat on those three things to win games this year and i think she can play a really big part of that and she has super dope hair she has awesome hair. That was the one thing I noticed in that game at Westmont is she was really flying around at the top of that press too. And even though she's undersized, I think mm-hmm. she might be one of those answers to the question of who guards Cameron Brink for this duck team. Cause that I think is going to be the matchup that really decides I mean, not to get too far into the weeds here, but that really decides this duck season is that matchup right there. How do the ducks slow down Ms. Brink, keep her off the boards. And I mean, obviously Sedona can do a little bit of that also, but just Brink is such a tough matchup. So I think that'll be, a, that'll be really important for this duck team moving forward. All right. So let's jump on over then to our freshmen. And, uh, I have Ms. Taylor Bigby. Three-time Nevada high school state champion, uh, two-time Nevada Gatorade player of the year. She brings all the accolades, all the swagger. Uh, She's much stronger than she looks. I got to watch a little bit of her tape from high school. Um, Obviously, we haven't seen her play very much for Kelly this year. Rebounds really well for her size. Um, again, I'm unsure of how much she'll get to play this year, with, uh, but with all these injuries and things of that nature early on in the season, maybe she'll get a chance to get out there and get some runs. So I'm excited to have Miss Taylor Bigby, and I think she'll fit in really well with this next year's recruiting class also. And, I mean, everybody we've brought up basically is a sophomore, so this team isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> before kind of the injuries, I was thinking that she was going to be more in the redshirt role, but you never know now, and especially – uh, like early in the season, if she gets good play, and even if they planned on bread shooting her anyways, it might be beneficial to keep the ball rolling there. So, yeah, she's going to be fun to watch. Well, and what was really good to see on Tuesday night is that it didn't look like the game was too fast for her or anything. When she was out there, she was playing. She was part of the press and doing great on offense and finding some shots, and she really looked like up to speed and like she could play on mm-hmm. this team and be a part of this roster. So I'm excited for her. She didn't look lost at all. I think that's really important to mention, Zach. Yeah, you're 100% right. All right, so let's get into your guys' freshmen. Zach, uh, you were just talking, so let's jump right back to you. Who do you have as your freshman to focus on? My freshman is Filipina Che. uh, I forget where she's from, but she she beat Sedona for the tallest person in Oregon roster (laughs) history. And the things that you hear both Sedona and Kelly Graves say about her is just you might think she could be the best basketball player to ever play here. I mean, Sedona said wow. that she has the chance to be the best Oregon player ever. 
and I mean, she's she's so raw right now. She only started playing basketball, I think, three or four years ago. And so they're really still teaching her a lot of these fundamentals, but they're just so excited about her growth. And if you can get her lineup with her and Sedona in there, and it's just, it's, it's impossible to score against down low. So um, I think she's developing an offensive game. She's still learning the game a lot, but she plays with so much effort and so much intensity, and her teammates love her. So I'm really excited to see her growth over the next few months. So it looks like she's from Calgary, Alberta. So that uh, Oregon-Canadian connection remaining strong. Wow, best duck in history. Yeah. I mean, that's Sedona that's had some, some strong, some strong blowing, praise from Sedona. Blowing praise for her. After well, that and game. Sedona, Sedona strikes me as someone that doesn't say that kind of thing lightly either. You know, I mean, I think she really means what she says. So yeah, Shane, what do you got on Ms. Uh, yeah, she was my pick as well. Uh, when she when she came into the game, the exhibition game, uh, it was funny. You know, she came in for Sedona. The defender who was guarding Sedona looked relieved at first, and then immediately was like, "Oh fuck! Like it's just no, no tolerance." Uh, she still has kind of like that newborn draft kind of like run at times. It looks like she's still getting used to her body. I'm sure she went through some pretty gnarly growth spurts in the last few years. But uh, yeah, she came in immediately. I don't, I don't know if she was credited for any blocks, but she changed like eight out of the first like twelve shots of the game. Also got the ball in the block a couple times and was aggressive trying to get to the front of the rim, which is something that I always look for with young bigs. So, yeah, that's, I mean, everything Zach said is, it seems right on, right on target. So, looking at the box score, it looks like she had one block, but one thing that <laughs> Kelly Graves marveled about after the game is she played 14 minutes and had 10 rebounds and all of them on the defensive wow. side. And she's like, oh, okay, yeah, you're you're going to affect the game when you're in there. She was a solid, like, seven inches taller than anybody else, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, she reminds me, like you're saying, of the first time we saw in Folly Dante. Mm -hmm. That kind of like potential wrapped in just, you know, inexperience and things of that nature. So it's with the level of coaches that this staff has, it's exciting to get uh, a block of clay like that into the program for them to really be able to mold and work with. And if she's half a heart of a worker, as everybody says she is, then yeah, I'm sure just with her physical tools and abilities, she's got incredible potential. So. All right, so let's just jump in here real quick. Like I said, um, I went out and predicted this season, so we've got 32 games on the schedule. I think this team goes 23-9. and nine. I've got them finishing second in the Pac-12 to Stanford. I just I think Brink is going to break out and be one of the best players in all of college basketball this year if she's not already. I mean, she got a lot of pub last year. so But I do think they win the Pac-12 tournament. Um, I think that Stanford, again, they're not traditionally going for, I think they'll already kind of have their one seed wrapped up, but I think that'll be a big push for the Ducks. I think that gets them a three seed. I think they make an elite eight run in the tournament, but unfortunately I think they run back into this Stanford team in the West regionals. And I think they lose in the West regionals and that just fuels the fire for this team coming back the next season. So that's kind of the, the narrative that I wrote for this season. I'll let you guys pick it apart or commend it or however you see fit. So go for it, Shane. What do you got? What do you think? Uh, I think the University of Arizona might have something to say about that. They might be the other team to watch this season. But, I mean, Pac-12 women's basketball, I think it's going to be another year where this is going to be the strongest conference in the nation. Uh, like you said, Stanford, Cameron Brink is going to be awesome. And also having my personal favorite basketball player, Haley Jones, coming back. And uh, good luck for her to have another, you know, she could level up again and have like a, a Satu Sabali type season here. And, yeah. Um, Speaking but, of yeah, I mean, here. it's it, it's going to be tricky uh Winning the Pac-12 uh, tournament, I think, is a is a nice nice prediction, especially because, like Zach said, this team is probably going to be getting healthy a little bit before that, and then hopefully that that be molding, that gelling will be happening right around that time as well. 
Yeah, I like that. I like the 23-9 prediction, and I also kind of pin this team for an Elite Eight run. I think that's I think that should let that should be considered a success. You know, there it feels like you're kind of you're kind of missing out on what you think you should be doing if you don't get there. But I don't know. That might be uh, expecting too much to predict a Final Four run. But like I said earlier, I mean, injury is gonna gonna determine all with this team. I mean, we're already dealing with some stuff with India and Tahina and Niara, and so it's it's already a little bit of a problem. It's not like a season-ending problem or anything, but it's just something to watch out for. This team has kind of been snake-bitten before, and so that's just something I really want to keep my eye on. Well, and Sedona hasn't been the healthiest athlete ever either, so let's hope that she stays healthy, and I think you're 100% correct. I think injuries will kind of set the cap, will set the ceiling for this team moving forward. So, all right, let's go ahead and jump on over to the men's side. Shane already called me out, but my coming back, my player that's returning is Will Richardson. You guys knew that I was going to talk about him. Um, I think this guy is getting criminally underrated. Um, I think he needs to be a candidate for Pac-12 player of the year. I see him, again, shooting. I mean, he shot close to 40% last year, but similar to Tahina, didn't do so on a lot of volume. I think his volume will go up this year, and I think his shooting percentage will also go up along with that. He had 63 dimes to 40 turnovers last season. I think if he keeps it a little closer to like a 2-to-1 ratio, and I think it's going to be possible to do that this year with as many shooters. We got shooters, like Shane was saying about this team for the Oregon Ducks. A lot of guys to pass the ball to that can finish. A lot of height. I think the aerial assault for the Ducks on those pick and rolls and a lot of those backside lobs when teams try to zone them up. I think he'll get a lot more assists going that way. So did either one of you guys also have? No. Um, so um, did either one of you guys have Will Richardson? Me too. Yeah. I did not. No, I, I didn't I think so. About, so. <laughs> so chalky. Yeah, you guys, I'm so predictable over here. Uh, I'm so predictable. I need to I need to mix up my flow or my but I mean, All right. So uh, on that note, just yeah, go I ahead. think he's going to be the leader of this team. There's so many offensive players on this team that can get the ball, but he still kind of feels like the stalwart. Like it's it. When the game's on the line, I think he's going to be the one with the ball in his hands, and I'm excited to see how he, he takes on that role that was kind of left by Chris Duarte last year. Well, yeah, I mean, last year, too, he was coming off, like, a, a pretty gnarly injury to, you know, have surgery on your hand and then easing his way back into the rotation minutes-wise just for his own health, but then also at that exact same time, Chris Duarte had really taken over as the primary ball handler in his absence. So when he came back, there was a little bit of a power struggle, I kind of sensed it sometime, but... And I mean, yeah, I, I really don't think he gets the credit he deserves. But in my, my favorite thing about Will Richardson is the way he plays and the way it's just like that kind of silent assassin. He does all the little things, you know, uh, a coach's best friend on the floor. But all of those things don't help in the, you know, award circuit. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of flash. You know, he's not like the take a bunch of contested threes. He doesn't have a lot of like, the highlight plays, but he's really the, the straw that stirs the drink for the offense. No, I completely agree. And that stir the, the straw that stirs the drink is the exact analogy that I have written right here in my notes. So I think that he, especially with Devian Harmon, Jacob Young, all these guys around him that could really light it up from the outside, um, I think it's going to be a really fun season for this Duck team. So uh, Will Richardson, again, I'm calling it right now, I think he's going to be the Pac-12 player of the year. That's, mm-hmm. that's my prediction. That'd be a lot of fun to see. It. I think it'd be great. And again, just, you know, the left, yeah, just, yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. So who do you yeah, guys have as your returners to focus on? I got Nafale Dante. I think that he there's. I mean, it's it's a kind of chalk answer too. But we've seen so little of him. But there's so much potential. And I know he's he's been dealing with injuries. We expect him to be back. I think in a a couple a few weeks. Dana Allman said the other day. So uh, he's just a a big body and just so much talent that 
Um, I know, uh, I'm guessing Shane has someone else's big body and talent to talk about too. So yes, he does. Uh, yeah, I, I knew what he, I, who he was I wasn't going to take that one from him, but <laughs> I'm really excited to see Dante. I think him and the guy that Shane's going to talk about can be an absolute force to be reckoned with Ooh. once they get healthy. Ooh. The, yeah, those two on the back line of this defense, and that defense looked good already. Yeah. When Dana's defense looks good early in the season, oh my goodness. All right, Shane, yeah, let's talk about him. So we're going to talk about Big Frank, Frank the Tank. Um, Frank the Tank with a C, I, baby, don't forget. I, 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 he's just one of my all-time favorite basketball players. I love the emotion. I love the intensity. I love the physicality. When he, against that game against uh, Texas Southern, when he got kind of underclipped, uh, which, I mean, they called the foul on the Texas Southern guy. I don't really – don't really know about the call, but getting up off the floor well, like and he's like mean over. Yeah, he flipped over and looked like he wanted to kill. And oh my god, I was <laughs> so fired up. And I, I mean, <laughs> it's it's weird because I kind of feel like a guy like Frank could play like an Infali Dante off the floor in some situations, but they honestly complement each other so well that I'm really hoping that uh, Infali Dante can settle in in that kind of like high post uh, screen and roll area and let Frank just fuck people up down there. Because Frank can do a lot of the dirty work that it seems like a Folly Dante is kind of, I don't want to say shied away from it, it doesn't seem like he loves the contact and he loves the physicality the way that Kepnong just, like, it's his like it's his blood. He, like, he's like a Roman warrior. I well, and you guys it. share the same beard also, so I think that's important. You guys have a lot of that, that same True beard that. energy. And I think a lot of that will depend on somebody that I want to talk about later as my freshman to focus on and how he plays into this team is going to really how and Dante and Kepnong decide to go there. But yeah, go ahead, Zach. One thing I really want to see from, from Frank this year is him get better at finishing down low. I know that's been a problem in the past too, and it kind of popped up a little bit on Tuesday night against Texas Southern that he often gets the ball in the paint and looks like he can get to the basket, get easy baskets, and they just kind of little bunnies that just kind of hop off. And it's like those are the things, if you can flush those or find a way to get those down to – 70 80 percent of the time he can be a dominant force but he's just gotta that's just one thing i want to see progress as the the season goes on is he just really needs to work on finishing yeah that's something that i kind of touched on at the end of last year that if he could just slow it down a tick and just have it a little bit more under control because you can tell when he gets the ball on the block he's like so excited to dunk on people that he almost like gets in his own (laughs) way and it's just just taking a deep breath and then and i to your point, Zach, I think once he starts to finish some of those, I think it's going to kind of erase some of the mental block because they're just like they're those little like layup line bunnies that you just keep throwing off the other the other side of the rim. And a lot of the times that's just a mental thing. Well, yeah, it's mm-hmm. like he himself needs to get the lid off the basket. You talk about that as a team always, but it's like the team doesn't have much problem scoring. But he kind of just it's I don't want I mean, the yips is a very dirty word, but he just needs to, like you said, slow it down. And just, like, <laughs> we don't right, say that word. We don't this. say that word. Don't do it. <laughs> We don't say that word. No, but I think you guys are hitting on an important point that usually with big men, when you're coaching them, you have to bring the energy out of them. He's the opposite. He, you actually have to tame him down and calm him down just a little bit while he's out there on the floor. Mm-hmm. So as a coach, you're just you're in love with that. That, that's what you want. As I mean, a, a big man that has energy. He's, he's kind of like a Draymond Green in that sense. Not where he's like dirty, but it's just like okay, just kind of get him, yes. get him going. He's a, like a rabid dog out there. So. 
Well, I think he sees the game with high intelligence also, but he's still so naive to it that he's just got to get more experience. And I think with his, with more minutes, I think by the end of this season, he could be um, one of the best players on this entire roster. So, yeah, very, very exciting. But we are, we're going a little long here, um, so let's keep it moving. But uh, all right, so for our transfers... I know, I thought I said the same thought. <laughs> I don't think you guys are going to guess who I have here. I've got, don't I've take got the, who I'm doing it. I got the guy coming okay, from... Cool. Oh, no. You're going to do it. I got the guy coming from back east. I got Quincy okay. Guerriere coming from Syracuse. Okay. Uh, six foot eight junior. Um, last year at Syracuse, put up 13 points per game, seven seven boards, Have a, has 11 double-doubles in his career. He kind of reminds me if like Eugene and LJ were put together. Exactly. Um, I, I really, again, this is a theme for me, but if he shoots the ball at a better clip from the three-point line, he could lock himself in as the three on this roster and really unlock a lot of things. I know Dana loves playing a three-guard lineup, but I think Quincy could steal a little bit of those minutes or be that high-energy four that plays along with Kepnong or Dante or Biddle or whoever they want to have out there at the five spot. Um, he shot 74 threes last year. He only made 23 of them. But again, high volume and in a different system, I think he comes in and I think that number goes up to 35, 36, if not a little bit higher, just because of the quality of looks is going to get that much better. Go ahead, Zach. Looks like you've got something you want to add. He really reminds mm-hmm. me of he, like you said, if he gets that shooting down a little bit, a little bit better, he reminds me of someone that can play a Paul George type of role on this team. Mm. I mean, he's a really big, mm. Shane likes kind of that. a small forward, big guard, you know. He's, he can really score well. He's great at rebounding, as we've seen. And um, I really think I the sky's the limit for him. I think he's such a good player, so talented. And when we got him in the transfer portal, I was so excited because this guy, is, he's a real player. One another guy from, from that you know Canadian pipeline that we've got rocking and rolling. So, yeah, Shane, go ahead. Yeah, I saw him a little bit more as kind of a small ball four. And really, it, it sucks for another Duck player on this roster to – if this turns out to be true, but he reminds me kind of a lot of Eric Williams, what what his role was on last year's team. What he could be. But just a a little bit bigger body and a little bit more finished. Um, It'll be interesting to see how Eric Williams gets used this year with some of these newer players coming on board. But yeah, everything you guys said, I I thought his shot selection in small sample size that we've seen so far, I loved his uh, shot selection. A couple of threes that he did. Oh, here, to pull. yes, yeah. absolutely, late, absolutely. Late shot clock, open, good looks, good balance, good follow through. All of it looks good. So yeah, I mean, he, he. It's nice to have these these finished products show up on campus, and it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> like throw him the keys. There we go. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. Zach. We could talk. I mean, I know we want to keep it moving, but we could also talk about shot selection a little bit uh, from that first game. I don't know if you guys noticed how many threes we took. We had 30, mm-hmm. lot, 36 yeah. three-point attempts, which is the most we've taken in any game since 2017 when we took 39 in an overtime game against UCLA. So I don't know. We're playing a small ball lineup. We've got – but it, it was interesting to me. I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes tonight against SMU because I don't know if this is kind of an anomaly or a trend that could be real going forward. We got shooters. Yeah, we do. Exactly. We got shooters. My goodness, do we have shooters. Okay, so uh, Zach, you seem really excited to talk about your transfer, and then we'll get to you, Shane. But who do you have as your transfer? I really don't want to take it from Shane, but I'm so excited about this guy. <laughs> so if he's your guy, I'm sorry, but Rivaldo Soros. Oh, I took it from him. <laughs> this guy has so much potential. I can't. I mean, his name is Soros. I, I mean, the that's coolest incredible. Name. Uh, he kind of a cross-sport reference, but he reminds me a lot of Troy Franklin on the football team. He's one of those young, kind of lengthy, 
like wide receiver type guard wing type where I feel like there's so much potential there if he just kind of can get his feet wet and can get a little bit bulk on his body too but uh, he's he's kind of overshadowed in this offense because there's so many scores, so many shooters, but I feel like he's going to have a long and really successful career at Oregon. Yeah, I see him as an ultimate glue guy. He fills in a lot of the cracks that these other players might have. I mean, he seems like a guy that can, you know, is perfect to play alongside with like a Davion Harmon who is going to be okay if he doesn't get a shot up for a little bit because I think, like you were just mentioning with the, the three-pointers taken, Harmon being on this team I think is going to, you know, up some of those three-point shooting numbers. I don't dislike it but it you know he's he's a ready to go scorer where i like rivaldo's just kind of like all around game he kind of has this like sean marion type like body feel to him he's long he's always in the right spot he boxes out well and he seems like a guy that can do the things that are going to elevate other players statistically like he's going to have great games where you're going to look at the box score and be like what what the hell and if people just read the box scores they're going to look at him like maybe not a big contributing member but i think he's going to be one of the biggest reasons why this team will find success later and i also think he might have the greatest chance of success at the next level too just his body type that's exactly what I wanted to he get needs, to. He needs to go the cornrows because he reminds me a lot of Brian Bracey. You guys <laughs> yeah, remember Brian Bracey yeah. from back in the day? Yeah. But just like a six foot seven, six foot six, just combo guard, but can guard a lot of different positions, also on the defensive side of the ball, soars through the air. He's got great hops. Um, I agree. I think this team has more pros on mm-hmm. it than people realize. Mm-hmm. And We'll get to that in my prediction later on, but yeah, I am really, really excited for this roster. Yeah, so he's Rivaldo. Obviously, oh, go, sorry, Rivaldo go ahead, is one of the guys on this roster that I have the easiest time seeing and looking at him. Being like, that is a future NBA mm-hmm. player. Like, I can really see him playing in the next level, and it's it's going to take time because there's so many offensive players that are going to take minutes and shot attempts from him right now. But once he gets the chance to be one of the two or not top two or three guys on this roster, I think it's going to soar for him. Once I saw unintended. Ooh, ooh, I like what you <laughs> Once did Once I saw his crossover with his like le- with his long arms and he had that quick little uh, right to left, I was like, oh fuck, here we go, dude. This guy's gonna be a problem. That's like the guy <laughs> that you like when you're playing like like rec ball. You're like, no, dude. Like, I think you should get him. I'm gonna take the switch, guy. <laughs> switch, switch, switch. <laughs> Need a switch. Well, and it just goes to show we didn't bring up Jacob Young. We didn't bring up Devion Harmon. I mean, those guys are super uber talented and incredible transfers both finished products so just to have those guys come into the program along with the two guys that we mentioned is incredible well, and jd you made the point the other day when we were talking that jacob young has that complete microwave potential it looks like, like oh, it, man, when he gets he? hot i think he can get so hot and he can put up these these 20 30 point games if we let him to get hot so i think he's gonna be a lot of fun to watch he plays so much like his brother it's just it's I, incredible I it. and he's bigger too yeah, he is. Well, if you follow the whole talent code mentality, the younger brother, the younger sibling is usually the more talented and better athlete overall. And he's got I mean, he's got that dog in him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really like using that phrase, per se, but he, when it fits, oh, it fits. Goodness, <laughs> he? It fits. It fits. Yeah, absolutely. OK, so let's let's jump over here to the freshman. And we I kind of I teased mine just a little bit earlier, but I'm going to talk about Nate. Don't call him Nathan Biddle. Um, Saw him play as a freshman in high school at Crater and was just like, this kid needs like 30 sandwiches. Uh, Just was all, all lanky. Um, I've been incredibly impressed by his. I never thought he'd be a D1 athlete. I thought he was just a big kid. And I'm just so incredibly impressed with his, uh, his growth, his transformation of his outside game. The fact that he can really handle from the outside. Now his shot looks good. It just takes a long time to get off. 
uh, but really a nice pure release. I think his free throw percentage, I'm not sure what it is um, when he was down there at prolific prep after he transferred from Crater, but this kid could has the potential to be special. I mean, defensively does a really good job of keeping his arms up high, even though he's undersized. Um, I think he could be that stretch four that really unlocks this team. I mean, I could see a lineup of like Frank, Biddle, uh, Quincy, and then whoever, whatever two guards you want to throw out there or a three guard lineup with those two bigs, whoo, good luck, especially on the defensive side of the ball with that press that Kelly likes to run. That's so much length and athleticism. Uh, this kid really, really could be the key to unlock this team's potential or he could not play. I, I could, I could see it going both ways. I could see him really sitting the bench and learning. It all depends on how well he understands that Dana defensive system. And Shane, we've seen that. And we know that, you know, going back for years now that freshmen don't get on the floor unless they mm-hmm. can play defense. Yeah, and I mean, there is some, some red shirt possibilities for him that I could see just with the way that this team is built, but I don't know with the whole recruiting process, what promises were made and what weren't. I, I was I was surprised by what he was able to do defensively, and he did look a little bit bigger uh, out there against Texas Southern than in some of those those high school videos, especially at Crater. It was just like holy moly! I mean, he made Kevin Durant look buff, dude. Like that's Oregon basketball. You can't. I mean, when he went down to prolific, you, there's a lot more good tape on him. But yeah, you can't. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, show in Oregon the, the fact that you called him undersized and he's seven feet tall is uh, a thing. I don't know if that's a problem, but it's a thing. Yeah. No, it's a thing. It's a legitimately a thing. Yeah. I, what do you got, Zach? He was he was also my freshman to watch, but I think you get a you get a seven foot five star recruit in, and he's also Oregon kid. So I think that's a lot of fun. I'm excited to see what he can do. Like you said, I'm not sure how much he'll play this year, just because he's he's a little bit raw. He's still a little bit a little bit underdeveloped, and but um, I think in these early season games where we expect to be winning by a good portion, if things go right. I think he's going to get some some quality minutes there in second halves and really trying to see if he can grow with the team and if he can get up to speed with this this new style of basketball for him. So I'm excited. I think he has a lot of potential Um, as someone that big or that tall. I always worry about injuries just because that seems to be the name of the game when you're a 7-foot, 180-pound kid. Uh, You're you're going to have foot problems, hopefully hopefully not, but, I mean, it's it's common. So um, I think that's something to watch, but he's he's got a high potential. He's a kid that I know that basketball has their own strength and conditioning program, but if he could hang out with Coach Feld for like mm-hmm. three months Maybe an this off summer, it would be awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I have just with the jump that he made from a freshman to a junior at Crater, the jump that he made from a junior at Crater to the senior year at Prolific Prep, because I, when he said he was transferring, I was like, <laughs> going to get exposed, <laughs> buddy. That rating's going to go from a five to a three, but he didn't. He really showed that he can handle the ball on the outside. He's a better passer than he gets credit for. He sees the game exceptionally well. So he's made a jump at every level he's gone to. And we already talked a little bit about this development staff for this Oregon basketball program, but these coaches know what they're doing. Mike Menenga is one of the best player development coaches in the entire country. And he's probably the reason why he's here because of Menenga's NYBL connections. So having a guy like that on the staff that can just lock him in the gym and lock him in the weight room is going to be massive especially on that training table that the Ducks can offer him. So I'm excited to see him. Who are you excited about, Shane, as a freshman? I have a different seven-foot freshman as mine. And uh, so, I mean, he was something that we got really excited about around the time that we started doing this podcast. And then we have waited on Mr. Isaac Johnson while he was doing his Mormon mission, God knows where. 
but yeah, we got to see his the first um, the first little bit of him against Texas Southern, and it, he I I mean he looked like a five star center, uh, super polished footwork. When he got the ball in the low block, he had moves that he was like ready to go to then and there. And maybe, you know, taking a little bit of time away from basketball and whatnot. I mean, coming in as like a 20-year-old freshman or whatever doesn't hurt. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of like when he got the ball, it was like Isaac Johnson was like, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, this guy is supposed to be really good. And I was kind of wondering if we were ever going to see him play in an Oregon uniform. Um, but, yeah, it, some, somebody who's, you know, a freshman who's going to be a little bit more polished and a little bit more of a traditional five, where Nate Biddle, I mean, he – he did I, I thought he played really well off the ball where in Biddle's like YouTube stuff that we're most accustomed to, it's all kind of that ISO seven foot guys shooting threes type deal. So with with Johnson on the inside, I think another player we might not see a ton from this year, but if he could learn from Infali Dante and Frank Kepnong about just, you know, take anything from those two guys and add it to his game and I really like what he's gonna be able to do. So it looks like he served his mission in Ohio, so that's where, and uh, had no idea he was born in Oregon, actually. Really? Born in, have you guys, do you know what who, where Nyssa, Oregon nope. is? N-Y-S-S-A? I've heard of Lived it. Lived here my whole life. I feel like I've seen I've it. On, never I've heard of it. I've seen it on, like, highway signs before, I feel. Interesting. Okay, so yeah, born in Nyssa, Oregon, but then uh, obviously went to school there in American Point, Utah, and he did serve his mission, as Shane mentioned, for the Church of Jesus Christ for the Latter-day Saints, and he did so in Ohio. Ohio. Need, so Ohio nice Ohio to have him back. Jesus, so. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to have him back here on campus to see what he can do in a duck mm-hmm. uniform, and like you said, to have these two freshmen that you might just be able to file away you know, for the future, depending again on how well they, they understand the defense and how they get going. So really excited to uh, get that going. Okay. So this is where it gets, this is where it gets interesting. You guys know, I have, I have the chance for to be hyperbolic at times. You know, I have the, the chance to be a little excitable at times. This is, this is one of those times. I think this team goes 25 and six in the regular season. I think they drop a couple games that they shouldn't, but still really playing well. I think they win Maui, which is now the Vegas championship. I think they are the regular season Pac-12 champs. I think they beat UCLA in both matchups. I think they beat them here, and I think they beat them in L.A. I think they lose to Washington State in the Pac-12 tournament championship because I think the Cougars are going to be a lot better than people expect them to be. Um, I think they're going to be a two-seed going into the NCAA tournament just because of the way that they beat UCLA. And this is where it gets really fun. I think this team makes it to the NCAA championship game to play no other than Coach K and Duke in that title game. I think Dana beats him. I think Dana sends Coach K off on his horse, sad, full of tears, because Coach K makes it to the ship and loses in the national championship game for his last game to this Dana team and gets this Duck team a national championship because this team has everything. It's got size, it's got guard play, it's got youth, it's got experience, it has athleticism. I'm excited, as, as you guys can tell, and I probably should. I need to hit a sports book somewhere because uh, I'm, uh, I think this yeah, team I'll, can go I'll all the way. I'll feed you some odds on some of those calls. Um, <clears throat> also, that entire – everything you just said should have been read by Bill Walton. That was all just ridiculous. <laughs> Super pro Oregon. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I would. I, that would be awesome. I, I'm gonna hope and pray that that happens. But I mean, UCLA is tough. I mean, some of these, like some of these Pac-12 schools have it's a good conference. Know, they, they're pretty loaded with talent. Uh, 
some of those UCLA guys, I thought Juzang was going to go pro. And, I mean, the fact that he returned, he's going to have something to prove. You, he's not even the best player on that team. What? <laughs> Who? <laughs> you think Jacquez is? I like the other kid. Yeah, I like oh, Jacquez. Yeah. I think Jacquez. I think I think Jacquez is the better college player. Huh. This is the whole Drake London conversation, oh, right? Boy. I think Juzang will be the better pro, but I think Jacquez is the better college player. And I think he's the heart and soul of so the UCLA So the Drake team. London argument is ridiculous when I use it. <laughs> okay. Hey, hey! I didn't say it made sense. I just said it, that's a comparison that we can use, right? No, but I, I, I hear you. I mean, this is a really good conference. This is a really, really good conference. UCLA is going to be really good, um, except for Washington. Washington is garbage. They're not even the best husky out there. So. I don't know. I feel like we, everyone in the media, has been saying all off season that oh yeah, Pac twelve is a really good conference. We had so many teams in the tournament last year. Well, I need, I want to see it. I mean, from what we've cool. seen at the start of this season so far, I don't know how good this conference is. I know early That's season valid. it can it can get better once we get conference play. Everyone can knock each other down as we always do. But I don't know. I I agree with you on Oregon's abilities in the Pac-12. I think that they can absolutely be the the regular season winner, and I think they can give UCLA a, a good test in both meetings. So um, just once we get to the tournament, it's it's so hard to predict anything because. You know, there's there's good tournament teams out there. There's upsets always, and uh, a lot of it again depends on health. But I think that Dane Allman is exactly the coach that you want to have this team and to be able to fit this Rubik's cube together. So um, I like your optimism. I don't know if I would predict a, a national championship before we get Dior Johnson on the squad. <laughs> but, uh, that's something for another day. So uh, I love the. No, optimism. that's valid. Never stop dreaming. Jimmy. So. So who I am? I'm an idealist. So six losses, ahead, but no losses to UCLA. So who who do you see Same. them losing? I think they drop uh, one on the mountain trip, if not both, just because that's such a tough trip. And then just they get tripped mm-hmm. up in the Pac-12. I think Pac-12 is tough. I think they maybe lose um, one of their. I think they lose to maybe to Baylor. You know, in that um, uh, preseason pa- before the Pac-12 starts, obviously, I don't think they have that many Pac-12 losses if they're going to be the champs. So I think they're just they're going to drop a couple of those quintessential Dana games where he refuses to compromise because he's teaching lessons that will pay off later in the season. They always end up losing a couple games early in the year that they probably shouldn't. But Dana is so so consistent and doesn't compromise because he knows those lessons will pay off in March later well, yeah, on down the UCLA year. and Oregon were two of the only teams that really didn't have to kind of reload uh, with, I mean, USC losing, you know, Evan Mobley. And there's talk about his brother being like an all pac 12 performer, but we'll see about that. He's solid. Yeah, yeah I don't he's know. Solid. I'm, I'm like halfway sold on him. And then, I mean, like Arizona State losing <laughs> Remy Martin and Colorado losing Verona McKinley. Like a lot, a lot of good players have just left the Pac-12. So, I mean, to Zach's point, we're really going to have to see it. But it's there's going to be a lot of players that we're not familiar with that we will probably be household names by, you know, by two months from now. Rivaldo Soares could uh, be one of so. those for sure. So, all right, gentlemen, I think that's uh, that's all I've got for you guys today. Uh, this, of course, was our hoops extravaganza preview that we've kind of gone through. Um, I think I'm going to go ahead and take our interview that we're about to do and just tack it onto the back of this podcast. So make sure to look out for that. I'm excited to have uh, our guest come on. Uh, do you guys have any, uh, Shane, any closing thoughts here as we look to wrap things up? Not really, man. Just a lot of excitement. I'm just, I'm just glad hoops are back. I, you know, football is fun and everything, but it's fun to have those middle of the week games. We actually get to go to games. I'm sure Zach will be happy to get to go and do stuff and write about stuff that doesn't take five hours and all that jazz 
no traffic getting out of there. So just, yeah, really excited to have Hoops back. I just, I really hope that Oregon fans can actually buy into these two teams over the next month or two, because yes, football is taking such a big part of our brain and all of our attention right now, because yes, it should. I mean, they're, they're really good. They're a fun team to watch, but don't sleep on these Oregon basketball teams because like, as you just listened for the past hour, these are going to be a lot of fun players to watch and they're, they're really talented and they're some of the best in the nation. So, uh, find some space in your attention span for the ducks, ducks basketball. It's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. And with that, we appreciate you. Oh, excuse me. Take care of your chicken. Take care of your mentals. We appreciate you. We love you. We out. Peace. Ducks are undefeated. Hello and welcome to the Flock Pod. We are at hashtag, we're not even sure what episode this is because we don't know if this is going to be a standalone or thrown on the back of another one, but we are excited today. We have an incredible guest. Shane, I'm not even going to let you introduce yourself because I am so excited to have this guy. His hype men mentality is already coming off on me. I'm ready to get this <laughs> podcast going. We have the all-time winningest four-year player in program history from Abilene Christian coming in, Mr. Paul Hippler himself, Paul Thank you so much for coming on today. How you doing, man? Hey, I, I could not be, be uh, any better than I am now. I've been looking forward to this interview with you guys. Um, so I'm ready to get to it, man. I'm, I'm stoked. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we are stoked to have you for sure. Um, definitely stoked to have you to talk about like, you know, basketball, March Madness, you know, uh, becoming a meme, you know, all of those kinds of things. I mean, I looked up your name in the gift bar today on Twitter and you still pop up right away. So just kind of like off the top, like... What's that like? It's it's fun, man. It, it's funny because, you know, I'm in law school now and I was thinking like, okay, no one's, you know, going to remember that or anything. And then, I mean, there's people that don't even know basketball and they're like, oh yeah, you're the, the meme guy that was on TV. I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah. But <laughs> no, it's it's funny, man. And it brings people joy and, you know, people people in Abilene still talk about it and still send me the, the gif and they're like, hey, you know, I'm in this business corporations class and I use your your gif on on uh, my PowerPoint today I'm like okay that's cool you know I, I, <laughs> that'll never get old I'll, I'll always enjoy people doing that so um yeah I've, I've enjoyed every every step of it <laughs> no, that's how much, fantastic. Uh, how much pride do you take in the the one man bench mob nickname which was I think is one of the coolest ways to kind of describe what uh what it was you were doing there last year oh yeah no like so I take so much pride in it. I mean, you can see that. I mean, I did that every game of my four-year career. I never took a night off doing that. And it was funny because, you know, we'd be playing in, you know, areas of Louisiana where, you know, the entire city could fit in the gym, but no one came to the games. So, like, in basketball, you need so much energy to be able to win games. And at these places, there'd be no energy, not even from, you know, the visiting crowd, if there was anyone. So, like, you know, I took it as my job. Like, obviously I want to play, you know, obviously I work to play. Um, you know, I worked harder than, you know, almost anyone. So I wanted to play, but at the same time, I'm going to accept wherever I'm at. I'm not going to pout and, and be a drag on the team. I want to help my team win in every step. So, I mean, I took one man bench mob, you know, to be, you know, to the ultimate seriousness, as you can tell. So, 
No, it sounds like you would have been a joy to coach for sure, man. Cause that's, that's exactly what you want to hear from a coach. Just, you know, you're out there being a star in your role, you know, it might not be the role that you want for the moment, but you're doing the best you possibly can in that moment. Mm, yeah. And they all, they all loved it too. And it was, it was funny cause we'd be getting nuts on the bench and the refs would come over, you know, every once in a while and be like, Hey, stop. And our coach would yell at us and be like, shut up, sit down. And then he'd come over and whisper and be like, Hey, keep going. I love it. Like I just got to be, you know, I just got to show the ref I'm trying to keep you under control. So that was always, you know, our relationship, which was great. Is, uh, is that kind of like, you know, energy bringer, that motivator, is that something you bring in like other aspects of your life? Or is that just kind of like your role in the basketball team? You go like, bowling with the homies you like high-fiving after strikes and everything <laughs> oh, of course it's funny because my brother and I my brother got me into like pickleball it's a little weird you know but I mean we're at this park we're playing with like some of our friends and it's like you know it's us and like a bunch of older ladies and I mean we're all <laughs> screaming at each other like just smacking the ball in each other's face and they're all looking at us like who the heck are these people so no it, it carries into every you know area of my life law school you know as you know energy vampire as law school is you know I try to bring that to class I try to bring that to my classmates who you know are going through the toughest you know part of their life I try and hype them up try and get them back on track even though they're you know technically my competition here I still you know we're all in the same boat I try to hype up whoever I am and you know where wherever I'm around so no, that's awesome. It seems really genuine for sure. Even when you're watching it, you know, I watched the game actually today. I watched the last like six minutes of that Texas game and just seeing you on the bench, none of it looks contrived. None of it looks like you're, you're going out of your way to do something that's not genuine to yourself. So again, just, just love to see it and love to see you bring that energy to law school too. Those kids need it. Yeah, exactly. Everyone needs it. You know, everyone, that's needs valid. Love and everyone needs energy. So, you know, God put me on the earth to do that. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So that day that you guys played Texas, I mean, obviously as, as a team, you're going in, you're thinking you got a chance, you know, everybody's got a chance going into the dance, but I, I got to know, because in the back of your mind, you're thinking if you win this game, did, did you like, did you plan the horns down? Because that seems to be what really took off and really kind of became the bigger meme. You know, obviously you flexing and all that on the bench is big too, but that horns down that, that, that stirred <laughs> some feathers down there in Texas. So was that something that you planned or did it just happen naturally? No. So it's weird. Um, so obviously horns down is like, no one's really brought that into the basketball, you know, atmosphere. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to be, you know, self-righteous or anything, but I was kind of the one that brought that in. Like, it's it's like a big football, college football thing. And I don't, I don't watch too much college football, especially Big 12. And I, re I remember we were driving to the, to the game, you know, we're behind our police escort and everything. And I mean, it's, it was like COVID. So, I mean, there's like three to us to like each bus. It took like five buses to get us to the game. So I'm Jeez. seeing, yeah, it, it was pretty sick because like you had like the whole <laughs> caravan. I felt like I was the president or something. <laughs> All sprawled out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I'm there and I see some like guy and he's like going like this to our bus. And I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Like, you know, I like that. But I never really planned to do it because, you know, I was planning on going in and hitting the game winning three. I wasn't planning go. on, <laughs> you know, being on the bench the whole game. But, um... You know, it just happened. It was just natural, like you said. Like nothing was doctored. You know, it was just you know pure joy and love for my teammates. With the experience of you going into the big dance as like a you know a smaller school, a lower seed, and then you know getting a big win like that, what was the environment like? You know, for you and your teammates after that win. I mean, because I mean that's got to feel. I know it's just one win, and you want to 
win more games, but it's got to be kind of Super Bowl-esque almost. Oh, it, it totally is. And just the like the emotional energy like through that, it was insane. I didn't sleep for eight days. Eight days, I didn't get a, a wink of sleep, and I was still as energized. And it was just because you went through that like that crazy experience. But at the same time, it was weird because we all had our own rooms in the hotel. We were, it, we were like in jail. Like we couldn't leave. Like you could only leave like when they said they would like drop your meals at the door. You could go watch film or practice for like an hour a day. And like so it was weird at the same time because you're, you're like feeling all this hype, but you're not like living in it you know because mm-hmm. you see what's going on in the city and abilene and you know people are climbing you know on the football stadium and everything and people are selling t-shirts and there's just this buzz around it but where we were it was like it was pretty chill so it was this this like weird mixture of emotions that we we're all going through but i mean easily easily one of the most emotional energetic experience i've had in my life i mean being the university of texas you know the the big big town bully you know from you know, three hours away, no one's giving you a chance. So, I mean, that's that's what everyone who dreams, who, uh, you know, wants to play in March Madness dreams of, is, is doing something like that. Absolutely. And I mean, we could we could sit here and talk about that March Madness game and, you know, your experience as a player all day long. But I want to talk about this Trip Talk video that I found on YouTube about a day in the life of Mr. Paul Hippler. I've got some questions. I've got some questions. So are you are you still on the carnivore diet? I am two two years and three months. So some people think I'm crazy, but I mean it, it changed my life in in a lot of ways. And uh, you know, you guys are from Oregon, so I know there's I'm from California, so I know there's a lot of vegetarians and people there. So I don't want to you know offend anyone if <laughs> if anyone's listening. But yeah, I've I've enjoyed it. I've, I'm a big time believer in the carnivore diet. So do you do you eat? just meat though is that like is that part of the diet or is it just like a more meat centralized diet so i would say it's 95 percent meat five percent blueberries i I, st- I stick with blueberries and that's really the only like other thing i eat so yeah i i love me some blueberries oh they're great, we might have man. to try it we might have to do a flock pod uh, <laughs> yeah. carnivore diet like hey, a month or something just like a that. month just do it for a month that's what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> can i still have coffee am i allowed to have yeah coffee? you can have coffee drink okay i'm in yeah, yeah. i'm in if i'm allowed to have coffee i'm, I'm in i'm 100 so, in so now that you've uh now that you've moved back to california you're doing law school and everything how much do you miss that house that place is sweet Oh my gosh, that house was nuts. I mean, we we hosted every time there was a game. We'd have you know people over. Fights were the big thing, you know, UFC and stuff. Um, I miss it, man. You know, I'm living with a beautiful woman now instead of you know uh, two smelly guys. So I mean, there's, there's trade offs, you know. But I don't have you know my my arcade machines here. I don't have my pinball machine. Um, so there are things I I miss about the house. Um, but I mean, in college, I don't think I went to bed, you know, earlier than like 1 a.m. Because it was just, <laughs> oh, yeah. about right. it was Living always life. just like something going on at the house with, you know, my boys and everything. So I do miss the house a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so along with that, I just want to stand. So you said that you lived with a major nerd and I myself, sir, am a major nerd. I mean, I'm looking right yeah. here at like a 48 inch Darth Vader action figure on my table here. So what advice do you have for my co-host Shane and kind of like dealing with a major nerd in your life? It's and, tough. Uh, <laughs> any, anytime he gets going, you know, on like some tangent about Star Wars or Marvel or something, 
Just like act act uninterested and then and then they'll stop. My roommate. Alright, cool. I've been doing that. Oh yeah, that's pretty much what he's been doing. My roommate and I would like preempt it. So like my my roommate would be like watching something and I'd be like, Yeah, dude, Marvel sucks. And like it would just like, you know, ruin his whole day. And like I would just do that so that he wouldn't like keep talking to me for like oh, a man. million hours about, you know, who the next Spider-Man's gonna be or whatever. So but, <laughs> Yeah, we'll be preemptive strikes. Oh, we'll be talking goodness. about football or basketball or something. He starts to loop it into like the newest Marvel movie. And like, oh, it all go. ties in, baby. <laughs> it all ties in. It all ties in. And one of my other favorite moments that you had from uh from that trip talk video is obviously you mentioned, you know, hosting fights there in the house too. It seems like you're a UFC fan. Sounds like you've got some hands yourself. So I have to ask you the question. If you had to fight one giant duck or 101 inch ducks who are you fighting so i had this question in ethics class in uh in college and and i chose the hundred i mean if they're just regular ducks you know i mean you know you got big feet you can step on two or three at a time so i chose our fans i mean hurting ducks i mean that's just that's i know i I don't want to hurt ducks i love ducks they're great you know i eat i eat steak not duck so (laughs) (laughs) i like it i like it and uh again at the end of that video when you guys were going through warm-ups i mean it seems like you know it's classic i mean let's just talk about the elephant in the room here you know white guy shooter (laughs) seems like you've got you know a nice outside shot but you got some hops so were you were you the dunk man for every single game or was that just for senior night so my goal in warmups, you know, because some games, you know, especially with matchups and stuff, I was like, I don't, you know, I don't know if they're going to need, you know, a guy that just hits threes for this game. So most of the games in warmups, it was my goal to just like dunk everything. And that was from like freshman year. Obviously, my bounce, you know, improved. But so we always did this like warm up like thing where you go in the line and the last person catches a lob. So, I mean, I did that a few times. But it, it traded off every week on, you know, who it was. But yeah, that's that I love that you said that too. Because some like few people they're like, Oh yeah, you're a white shooting guard, so you definitely can't jump. Stand in the corner and shoot threes. But I mean I played volleyball in high school, so I've always had a, you know a pretty good vertical. Go. Nice. Do you do you feel like the, the volleyball skills in high school helped you transfer and uh helped you you know, level up your basketball skills a little bit there. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, it's kind of sad nowadays. Like I'm seeing little kids like just specialize like in sports from an early age. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, like I played, I played multiple sports until the last possible moment, which was like my junior year. I had to just kind of go all in on AU and you know whatnot for basketball. But I mean, playing other sports is awesome. You don't get burned out. It helps you in many like other different ways, cross training, vertical, you know, whatever area of basketball is lacking, it can help you in. So, I mean, I've always encouraged people to play as many sports as possible, but volleyball definitely helped me, you know, uh, eventually reach my goal of playing division one. So, you know, you're, you're preaching to the choir here on this podcast. We are a hundred percent in favor of the multi-sport athletes until I think junior year is that perfect little money time where you can really decide, you know, am I going to have a future in this or am I going to play what I just really love exactly. and just going to double down on that. So, and uh, you mentioned AAU. So I'm kind of curious, who's the best player that you've ever played with or against? Let's see. Um, man, I played against a lot of really good people. So I, in eighth grade, I played against, uh, Cody Riley, who's on UCLA, Cassius oh, yeah. Stanley, who's in the NBA, Remy Martin, 
who's oh, wow uh, Remy Martin Flockpod favorite. Yeah, we're we're big fans of Remy. Yeah, and I think he's on Arizona State, right? Or where is he now? He just Remy's transferred to Kansas. Kansas. And yeah. He's having some trouble with Bill Self already. He oh, and really? uh, Bill Self's not a huge fan of Remy getting those free cars. So yeah, yeah <laughs> see no. how that works out. <laughs> Whoopsies. But, yeah, I played against all of them on a team. All of them were together wow. in eighth grade. We lost by Jeez. four. We lost by four. And Cassius was the first player I saw dunk in a game in eighth grade. Um, so that was pretty freakish. But we played against Marvin Bagley my sophomore, sophomore or junior year, one of those. And, I mean, he was he's just nuts. Like they, mm-hmm. they, I coached they, against him in high school, and that kid is just so good. Yeah. I mean, he was so, so good. His ceiling going to the NBA was as high as anybody else. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like he's going to reach that potential because of – some some other constraints that seem to be holding him back, but yeah. my goodness, was that kid talented? Yeah, mm-hmm. he's up yeah. there. And then in college, I know you didn't ask college, but I'll I'll answer. No, it I think no, it's, keep it it's going. Yeah. The, uh, um, I did watch Tyler Dorsey a lot in high school. I never played against him, but he was he was obviously insane. You know, at Maranatha in Pasadena, mm-hmm. but um, uh, in college it was probably Tyler Hero or Jared Culver from Texas Tech. Mm. He had. 30 something against us and just like was was just cruising the whole time but Tyler Hero we played in the tournament my sophomore year and he PJ Washington um Keldon Johnson like all those dudes were just like freaks like that's just a whole nother level of you know athlete right there so yeah those Kentucky guys man that's a class of their own oh yeah So and you're so I've been calling you Hypler this whole time. I'm gonna be honest. I'm just gonna call it as I see it over here. So I've been so but when I watched that YouTube video and I saw you kind of introduce yourself, I figured out that it was Hippler. So how often do you have to correct people on the pronunciation name? Because I'm I share that you know, Pluid's not an easy one. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, when I was younger, I would always correct people, but now I'm like, yeah, you know, whatever. It's <laughs> you you still spell it the same. So like you know, I'm not super nitpicky, but you know, every once in a while. You know, people mess it up. Rarely people get it. That's why when you guys said it, like my my last name correctly, I was like, okay, this is a first class podcast. We do our research, baby. We, we do our research. <laughs> uh, well, like after, like during like the the run last year, and like you know, you're you're turning into a meme and everything. Did you get any like nicknames out of that? Horns Down guy was one of the big ones. Uh, Texas fans called me a lot of nicknames with an F word. And, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Horns Down guy, Hypler, Hype Man, Old Time Hype Man, whatever. Like there were there were a million to, to do with that. But as you guys said, my favorite one was like One Man Bench Mob or actually favorite one. I forget who posted. I think it was USA Today or someone. And they were like, this guy's like everyone's wingman. And I was like, this, that's awesome. That's my favorite yeah, one. Yeah. I, I was actually reading that this morning. That was a really good one. That's we actually also, funny. That's the article that Shane sent me in preparation of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that, so that's too funny. Go ahead, Shane. Um, so in uh, attached to that article, actually, was some, some photos of you when you were younger of uh, with Dwayne Wade, Steph Curry. And then in that, that YouTube video, um, you had mentioned that you were watching Kobe Bryant when you were going to the uh, the finals there and his weightlifting routine affected you. So like, how, how did some of those situations come to fruition? Yeah. So, you know, growing up in Southern California in this area, like every NBA player has a vacation or a summer house here and they're all looking for gyms when they're here. Cause there's only so many gyms. So my high school has a great gym and it's in the area. So we'd have, you know, a ton of people, um, there. So, uh, 
who was there. Dwayne Wade and Udonis Haslam were there, and I got to rebound for them. And then Tim Grover, you know, their, like, guru coach was, uh, you know, working with them. So, I mean, I had, like, time alone with, you know, Tim Grover, D. Wade, and Udonis Haslam as, like, a high school sophomore, I think, you know, still trying to figure out my game. So, I mean, that was just motivational, you know, having those guys. But the Kobe thing, um, I remember before every game I used to eat pizza because the before the 81-point game, he had pizza. And then I became a carnivore. <laughs> so I got rid of that. But um, when I was a kid, I was in Boston for the NBA Finals. And I was in my hotel, and Kobe's in there just, like, getting reps in. Um, on the bench press, doing a bunch of other different things. And I went up to him, and I was a Celtics fan, so I was wearing like a ton of green. And um, and I go up to him, and I start talking to him. He's the, the nicest dude, even like before a game. Like you would think of him as this like ultra-focused. But I mean, he was laughing, and he was talking to my dad for a minute. So seeing that always stuck in my mind. And I always, before every game in college, I lifted before every game because of that. And I felt like it helped me a ton, so. That's awesome. I mean, to have those like, you know, those personal stories, those connections, you know, to really see it playing out in front of you as a kid mm-hmm. um, can really have a, a lasting impact. So no, oh, that, totally. that makes a ton of sense. Definitely. Definitely. All right, man. Well, I think uh, I don't want to take too much of your time. You know, I know I want to respect your time as a law student, but I think that's uh, that's kind of all the questions that we had. Shane, did you have anything else you wanted to get to before we wrap it up? Uh, no, man, I think I think we're all good, man. Yeah. Like Justin said, really appreciate it. This was this was awesome. Of course. Um, yeah, thank you. You guys are awesome. I think so. Here's my prediction for the Pac-12 this year. Ooh, oh, here we okay, go. Okay, perfect. Yeah. I think because because I, I just want to tell you guys, I think uh, UCLA will win the regular season, but I think Oregon's going to win the tournament, which always means they'll do better in March Madness. So that's how I see it. Yeah, I we we it. just did we just did our predictions like right before we got on with you, and that was Justin's exact prediction. Really? Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yep. I think they'll finish second in the Pac-12. So love to hear it. So yeah, you uh, you have an open invitation, my friend. Anytime you'd like to come back on the podcast and join us, we'd love to have you. Maybe we'll get you on uh, closer to March Madness again and do some some more basketball related talk. Because uh, that was one thing I really appreciated about your YouTube video is you know you're out there, you're trying to give advice to kids that are watching it. You seem totally. to know the game really well. So yeah, we'd we'd love to have you back on if you're open to it, my friend. Totally. Hey, I'm I'm all in, and like I said, you know, God put me on this earth, you know, as a Christian to help people, and you know, if I can ever do that for anyone, for you guys, just let me know. Absolutely, man. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on, Paul. And uh, as always, take care of your chicken. Take care of your mentals. We appreciate you. We love you. We out. Peace. Sorry.